Welcome, Red Sox fans. Here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome, everyone. The Bastards are back for this early week edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set with the Texas Rangers barely escaping with their life with a two-to-one series win. They are currently six and a half games back from the Tampa Bay Rays, and depending on how Oakland finishes tonight, they'll either be in the second wild card or a half a game out. So still... In contention either way. Quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners. This is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, Let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Co-hosting with me tonight from the city of Westwood, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. Jason? I'm doing pretty well. Um, although I guess I missed I missed the uh, the the parade because I guess the Red Sox won the pennant today. So I didn't know that. Um, but according to Twitter, they won the pennant today. Oh, so they? all is good. And uh, yeah, I guess there was a parade. I must have missed it. I you know I don't know how that passed me by. But apart from that, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Texas must have got like special permission to be in it, but the commissioner does like to change the rules as we go. So. No shocker. Yeah, Yeah. Also joining us tonight from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. Charlie? Oh, man. It was uh, one hell of a finish. I was super pumped to see uh, Travis Shaw, uh, you know, win the imaginary pennant tonight. Uh, I'll admit, man, I was super panicked in the uh, top half of the the, uh, ninth frame in this one. I just... I just saw it come crashing down all over again. Yeah, we're going to get into that ninth inning in the Duds side. But, yeah, and it's just so ironic because you cruise through game one, six to nothing. You lose the second game with Erod ten to one, only put up one run there. And then today, for a while, you're only scoring two runs. And you're you're just not producing at all, and then one of the worst players in the league comes off the bench, and saves their ass, because none of the good, or slightly above average hitters can get it done apparently, <laughs> and uh, Travis Shaw. So I was happy to see Shaw do it. I mean, what, a week ago, or you might have to go further back, a week and a half, two weeks ago. Did you ever imagine Travis Shaw would be in a Red Sox uniform hitting a walk-off grand slam? Like, that's crazy. That's absolutely crazy, but happy for him, and I hope he contributes from here, but I'm pretty annoyed with the series. Like, it, it didn't feel like a win to me. 
No, and and it shouldn't. Um, any Red Sox fan who is treating this series as like quote unquote a launching pad to better things, um, did you all forget what happened in Baltimore when you swept Baltimore and then got spanked by the Yankees right after? This is what this team does. Like they they beat up on a crap team, and everyone says, "Oh, it's the launching pad." And I it doubt was it. just a complete failure to launch for most of it, right, Charlie? Absolutely. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a puke problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% plus free shipping with code FANSIDED20. Don't forget to use Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, and their Crop Reviver to help your little planets be on their A-game while feeling the sun's heat. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. Ball deodorant. I'm just gonna say it. That's hilarious. Ball deodorant. Because you know, with your with your armpits, you can check. You know, you can't check down there. You just can't. You know, the body doesn't bend. And I'm just like, I don't know. Um. Anyway, forgot what I was gonna say before I went off on that little tangent. Oh, uh, for the audience, right. So we kind of flipped the schedule this week. So this show, because of the postponement, got pushed back a day. So the previous show, which we released yesterday at this point, was Hot Take Tuesday. Very entertaining show. We crapped on Cora. We crapped on the team. Had some mean things to say about Christian Vasquez. So if any of that sounds good, check that out too. That was, again, uh, released Monday morning. So, uh, And then we will get into studs and duds. We took a vote before the show, even though we should be starting with studs because the series was won by the Red Sox. We're very annoyed, and we're going to start with the dud section because there's a lot more to go over. So that's the side we will begin with. Jason, you're dud for the series. My bud, my dud, rather, is Bobby Dahlbeck. Um, not my bud. He's not my bud at all. <laughs> He's not my bud. Um, and really, my dud is just the first base situation in general. Uh, it's Bobby Dahlbeck. It's Travis Shaw. It's the lack of Kyle Schwarber over there. It's the lack of anybody who can, oh, I don't know, catch a baseball in their glove. Like, Bobby Dahlbeck had an error because he let a ball just pop right out of his glove. Travis Shaw today... I know he was the hero at the end, like, okay, bases loaded, nobody out in extra innings, like real hard to be a hero there. Um, but he let a ball go off his glove too It when Matt Barnes was pitching. So can we just get someone who looks like a professional first baseman? Like, this is ridiculous. And look, I'm not going to – I'm going to try to restrain myself from bringing up Anthony Rizzo because I know that Red Sox fans get – really upset and really butthurt 
whenever you bring up the Anthony Rizzo versus Bobby Dahlback discussion. I mean, you had Carabas going on 98.5 this week saying, if you want two months of Anthony Rizzo over five years of Bobby Dahlback, you're an idiot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, that, yeah, sure. Live and die by that statement, Jared. That's, that's, a, that's a strong one. Bobby Dahlbeck was one for seven in this series and once again didn't provide anything. Um, I think the Red Sox fans were blinded by what he did in Baltimore last weekend because they look at that series and they go, oh, Bobby Dahlbeck, see, he's turning it around. Oh, how do you feel about Dahlbeck now? That take didn't age well. And then he went to New York. He didn't do anything. You got swept by the Yankees. And you played Texas this weekend, and you barely you barely win two out of three. And quite frankly, you didn't deserve to win two out of three. You barely scraped by a Texas team that has legitimately nobody on it. Like, I'd be shocked if these Red Sox Bobos could name more than like five or six Texas Rangers that are in the everyday lineup. This is a triple-A ball team. And once again, from the first base position, you got practically nothing. And I know what Red Sox fans are going to say. They're going to say, well, did you miss the Grand Sam from the mayor of Ding Dong City? Congratulations. You ran to a meatball fastball from a guy who is a 4A pitcher at best with the bases loaded and nobody out in extra innings in a game that, quite frankly, shouldn't have gone to extra innings. So once again, the first base position, not quite getting it done. And I'm sorry, like, you want to bring up the stat sheets. You want to bring up the OPS comparison between Dahlbeck and Rizzo since the trade deadline. Fine. Go ahead. The Yankees are what? Nine and one in their last 10. And they leapfrogged you in the standings since they got Rizzo. Has Bobby Dahlbeck provided anything for the Red Sox since the trade deadline other than one good weekend in Baltimore? Nope. Nope. He hasn't. He's gotten worse defensively. He's gotten worse offensively, and I'm sorry. Like, sorry, Carabas. Sorry, everyone else. Sorry, Tyler, Tyler Milliken. Five more years of Bobby Dahlbeck sounds like a nightmare to me. Sounds like an absolute nightmare. So, once again, the first base position, the, the lack of talent around it, rears its ugly head. Yeah, you won two out of three. Woohoo! Yay, congratulations. You won two out of three against one of the worst teams in the American League. I'm not celebrating, and neither should you. Uh, Terry, do you have water to put out this fire over here going I, on in, in Massachusetts? Um, I got like two swigs of vitamin water left, but you're going to have to call the fire department, I guess. I'm going to have to. Uh, that's not another you know, segue into an ad, folks, for those that are listening. <laughs> um, so I'll say this much. I've been you know, wholeheartedly against Bobby Dahlbeck. Jared Kravis is, I just, I don't know. This sounds like the type of person that lives in a place where there's no TV, no cable. He's the type of person that, like, you know, probably, you know, eats his own boogers. Just, like, that's the type of kid I feel like we're, we're dealing with right now. Just the thing that he says, the things that he's saying right now, they just, they don't, they, they're not, it's not logic. It, it's not logical to say some of the things that he's saying. And... We can say whatever we want, like, oh, Dalbeck is going to blow up against this team. Yeah, Dalbeck should have blown up in this series. He blew up against Baltimore. Everyone should have blown up against Texas. And yet we almost lost a, a second game out of three. Like, you almost lost back-to-back -back games against the second-worst team in, in the American League, arguably all of baseball. 
Like, congratulations, you can still celebrate the fact that you won. And I want this team to win, but I want this team to win the right way. Nate Evaldi gave you seven innings of almost perfect, near-perfect baseball. And in less than a couple of pitches, Pat Barnes blew it again. It's just, it's unbelievable. And literally, top half of the 10th frame, yeah, you start off with a runner at second base. I didn't think we were going to win that game either. I just did not feel that good about it. And and we can celebrate the fact that Travis Shaw got his first hit as a member of the Red Sox again, being a grand slam. But that never, sh- I mean, there's a really good argument that could be made that it never should have actually happened. And you know what? Yes, they have 71 wins this year. If anybody thinks that this team is destined for anything, you're you're out of your god darn mind. The American League East is home to the hottest team in all of baseball with the New York Yankees, who just won their 10th straight game. And the most pathetic team in Major League Baseball, who have lost 18 straight, the Baltimore Orioles. So you've won five games in August, five, not counting the Baltimore series. Two of those five wins have come against Texas. One one, which was actually properly earned. The other one was kind of one of those, oops, we jacked up again, like so many other games this year. And I don't want to call this a come from behind victory because does it really count as come from behind when you start off with a runner at second base? I'm sorry. I can't do it. I, I, I just can't do it. And Matt Barnes, the warning flags need to go on. Uh, Terry, you posted something earlier this year, that $15 million deal does seem like a heist right now. Because, good Lord, when he comes in the ninth inning, I'm sitting there like, oh, God. Bartender, I'm not leaving yet. It's like that because the, you know the game's going to go to X. You're going to get free baseball with Matt Barnes. It's that bad. Well, we'll get into Barnes here in a second. Um, just to wrap up, Dahlbeck, he played all three games. If he's in the lineup, I just feel like your odds of winning that game – shrink by 10 to 20 (laughs) percent he's not good in the field there there is no reason for Bobby Dahlbeck to be on this roster right now we all wanted Franchi gone we got our wish Chavis got traded and there's this fascination on the part of Heimblum and, and possibly Alex Cora when it comes to Bobby Dahlbeck and it's frustrating to watch. It's absolutely frustrating to watch. And we were told Kyle Schwarber was going to be our first baseman after the trade. And, uh, you know, that that's Heim Bloom should get a Pinocchio award for that. I, I guess there are some plans to, to try him out there, uh, in the coming days, but I'll believe it when I see it. And, I'm just so tired of Bobby Dahlbeck. If he's if he's on the opening day roster next year, if we don't get an upgrade over the winter at that position, my frustration level is going to be immense. So, Charlie, go ahead. You're dud for the series. Well, we just started talking about him. So my dud for the series was Matt Barnes. Uh, Matt Barnes came in and with no pressure and no worries and not giving a handful of you-know-whats, strikes out three guys in the first game, and that's it. 
doesn't pitch game two, great. No complaints. Not trying to lose a game by 12 runs. Game three comes out and does what he unfortunately has done half the time recently. It's you get one good game, then you get one bad game. He pitched a third of an inning, gave up two runs on four hits, and threw the game away. Completely wasted. Wasted. Nate Evaldi's start. Just completely wasted it. And um, at this point, I I don't feel comfortable at all. In fact, I don't think that Matt Barnes should be closing games out. At this point, you've hit the threshold where you've blown enough games. And we joked about this a little while ago. Do you think that Matt Barnes will blow four saves or five saves for the remainder of the year? It was something along those lines. And I was like, I hope it's only four games for the remainder of the year. And since that tweet or that, that, that conversation that we had, he's blown two. We're halfway there, folks. We're halfway there. And we still have a whole month of baseball left. So for the sake of saving everyone a bunch of time, I think Alex Cora needs to do the right thing and make an adjustment in the ninth inning, bring someone else into situ into, into a situational uh you know, close uh op or you go to somebody else and you know what? I'm not against the idea of Josh Taylor. And I'm I'm even more so not against the idea of having Garrett Whitlock come in for two innings and just closing it down for two. And there you go. Now you just have to worry about seven innings of baseball. Garrett Whitlock will do the rest for two. Yeah, I agree with Charlie. Um, I don't trust Matt Barnes in, in the ninth inning anymore. Here's the problem. Um, who else is going to pitch the ninth? So you, you brought up Josh Taylor and Garrett Whitlock. Okay. Josh Taylor, maybe. Yep depending on matchups, because against a right-handed heavy ninth-inning kind of lineup, I'm not sure if you want Josh Taylor in there. Garrett Whitlock scares me a little bit because this is a guy that you're trying to groom for the rotation. At least that's what I've been told. You know, I, again, with the Red Sox, you never know. They change their minds a lot. But you're trying to groom him for the rotation. Do you want to turn him into a closer the second half of the season and then try and convert him back into a starter next year? You could probably still do it. It may not be the worst idea, but I like the way they've handled Whitlock so far. I and and get it. I get it. Like it's with kid gloves. You know, there are times where we want him in there. They're not throwing him in there. But I like the long term plan with with Whitlock. So I'm not sure I want him in the closer role too. What is it, Charlie? Go ahead. So, so my one counter to that is: Have the Red Sox really been planning for the future this whole time? yes no sometimes so does it hurt to think with the mentality of let's just try to win now or at least give the impression that we're trying to win ball games now because that that would be my situation okay cool i, I agree with you because I, I don't think that garrett whitlock is going to be a reliever and i don't remember if it was terry or you that brought it up first but you're right you're absolutely right he's not going to be a rotation guy uh sorry excuse me a bullpen guy because i i do believe that this will be a piece of the rotation in the in the long term but right now don't you think that you should think about winning now with the pieces that you think can get it done now? And I think that's why you have to consider him. Uh, you, you brought up a great point with Taylor. I'm not going to dispute that. Uh, but I think as your righty, who is more consistent than Garrett Whitlock? As your lefty, who would be more consistent than Taylor? It's No, it, it's a great point. And that's what frustrates me again it, you always go back to it, and I know people get frustrated, but it goes back to the trade deadline. 
Um, Matt Barnes was used heavily in the first half. And he's always been a guy that use him heavy in the first half, and he kind of withers in the second half of the season. And Kyan Bloom went out and got Austin Davis and Hansel Robles. I, I've I've deemed them, you know, Hansel and Gretel, just it, nothing. And, and it, you know what? I, I don't need to hear what Austin Davis has done in his last eight, nine innings because I know that people are getting all excited because he hasn't given up a run yet. Don't care. The, the guy's not a good reliever. Hansel Robles is a disaster artist. And that's what Kyan Bloom got you at the deadline for bullpen help. Hansel Robles and Austin Davis. And it's shown that it's cost you. Matt Barnes in the month of August is 1-3 with a 12.6 ERA. He's been garbage in August. He's been garbage since the trade deadline. And whether it's because he's fatigued, whether it's just because, I don't know, maybe a certain <clears throat> sticky stuff that he can't use anymore is starting to finally catch up to him. I don't know what it is, but Matt Barnes is not the same guy. And oh, by the way, you decided to give him a contract extension uh, in the middle of the season for whatever effing reason, because that came out of nowhere. We can't give Raphael Devers an extension, but Matt Barnes, yeah, no problem. We'll, we'll lock him up. Great idea. Um, he's been garbage in August, and your general manager didn't get you any help in the bullpen. So as much as I want to see someone different in the ninth inning, who else are you going to get? Unless it's Whitlock, which, again, I have reservations about, your ninth inning options kind of suck going forward. So once again, I hate to bring it up, but I feel like your general manager put you in a position where – this is what you're stuck with in the ninth inning. This is what you're stuck with. And it's either going to work or it's not. And quite frankly, I don't think he or the organization really cares if it works this year. And that's sad. I'm kind of, my mindset's a little different. I want to make the playoffs at all costs. And... I'm willing to put Garrett Whitlock into the ninth inning if that's what it takes. I'm not really worried about 2022 just yet. And Andrew is of the impression that Whitlock might start the year in AAA to get appropriately stretched out. Regardless, so I'm not sure if that's the mindset of High Bloom and Alex Cora and the pitching coaches and whatnot. We've got 36 games left. That's nothing. That's that's nothing. There's no time for Matt Barnes to figure it out at this point. There's just no time. We can't afford three or four more blow-ups by Matt Barnes. He came into this game today, gave up, oh, just uh, went away on me. Oh, here we go. So he comes into the ninth, gives up a single to Nathan Lowe, gives up a single to DJ Peters, gets his one strikeout on Jason Martin, who we're all very familiar with, right? Everybody knows who Jason Martin is. <laughs> Not. And then uh, Solak uh, hits a single, bases loaded. Andy Abanez hits a, a ground, was it a ground rule double? No, just a double. Two-run score, and 
and then blew the blew the safe. It was it was tied, and then uh, and then Whitlock came in and and uh, pitched fairly well. We'll get to him in a little bit, but there's no time at this point. I put Salamora in the ninth inning. I know he can be dicey at times, but right now I, I trust him at least 1% more than I trust Matt Barnes. And we're not going to get into Adam Ottavino that much, but I don't trust him either. If you pull up his game logs, I don't have them in front of me. You're probably going to see very few strikeouts in his last several appearances. All of his outs have been contact outs. And he he still has a three-something ERA, but... He's laboring as well, and I just I have a lot of issues with those guys. Ryan Brazier's going to be up. It's only going to be a cup of coffee at this point because, like I said, 36 games left. We're clinging to that second wild card spot. So uh, I want Alex Cora to do something. I, I want him to, to make a move here. And if it fails, I can live with that a lot easier than I can do with with watching Matt Barnes just completely blow up. And Charlie mentioned Barnes came in in the first game of the series, struck out the side. Struck out all three batters he faced. But the difference was we were up six to nothing, and he wasn't feeling any pressure. Today, close game, two-run two run game, you could feel it. You could feel it. And as soon as those, as soon as he gave up two hits, it was going sideways somehow. So I've never been a Matt Barnes guy. I had a lot of skepticism before the start of the season. He always falls off a cliff. I don't know if he's fallen off a cliff. I I don't know if it's been that bad for him, but he's getting there. He's he's pretty close to the edge of the cliff. And Jason, you mentioned the extension. Just another Bloom blunder. Why, why do it? And he was already slipping a little bit. I, I felt like there, there was a month after the sticky stuff got banned where he, he, wasn't, he wasn't getting knocked around, but he was getting away with a lot. And, and he was getting a lot of contact outs and wasn't, you know, the balls weren't really going over the fence on him. So uh, he kind of skated, and then the extension happened, and it hasn't been a good it hasn't been a good last thirty days. So uh, hopefully, Core makes a move. Oh, any any more yeah, thoughts? I, I, oh, go ahead. No, I, I was gonna say. So the sticky stuff that sort of happened in late July, right? No, it and... was mid June, June twelfth. Oh, mid-June. Okay, so he actually had a pretty good July, which is what, what shocked me a little bit, is because I thought that he was a regression candidate from the start. Um, but, I mean, the month of August has been just such a disaster, and I'm sorry, like, the whole Ryan Brazier thing, if the Red Sox are going to treat Ryan Brazier like they did Chris Sale, where they go, well, you know, we didn't have to really go out for bullpen help because we got Ryan Brazier coming back. I mean, that's pathetic. Like, and you know what? They're going to do it. They're going to do it. it. Like, they'll tweet it out. They'll be all excited. Oh, guess who's back? Ryan Brazier. Did you see his ERA? And, you know, this year of whatever, like, it doesn't matter. Ryan Brazier's another jag. It's not going to help. 
And Terry, you said it like 36 games. You've got 36 games to turn this around. It's not enough. It's not enough. Your closer has lost it. The rest of your bullpen is average at best, maybe below average. You mentioned Ottavino. He's not missing bats anymore. He's not. Like, pretty much the rest of the American League has figured out, just don't swing at a slider. Okay, just let the slider go outside and take it for a ball. We're all set. So he's lost it. Salamora, I love Salamora. I, I think that he was, you know, a low-risk, high-reward kind of guy, and first half of the season looked like, yeah, okay, that, that was kind of a steal. Yeah, he's just he's kind of average. He's average. He's not bad, but he's kind of like Tozawa all over again. It's like he's just average. So that's their whole bullpen. And, like, you saw it today. As soon as Evaldi got taken out, you're like, only a two-run lead? I don't know. I don't feel good about it. And sure enough, that's what you get. So 36 he, games. I don't like it. Evaldi yeah. gave seven innings. That's yep. That's the most ideal scenario outside of – almost a complete game you only need two relievers and you you just got to pick the right two and you're out of the game and he went with the two that have been the best overall i guess you gotta you gotta consider the whole year when you say that but i don't i might have gone with Salamora in the eighth if i could have although he did pitch game one and two so he probably not available but I might have went with Josh Taylor then, who had a quiet series. So uh, when when Ottavino comes in, two guys are getting on base guaranteed, whether he walks them or they get a hit. That that's gonna happen, and that's probably gonna happen with Barnes if he's if he's feeling the pressure. <laughs> then it's gonna go sideways. But Charlie, any more thoughts on Matt Barnes? No, man. I mean, when it comes to Barnes, you, you, we've, we've talked about a couple of the other solutions and different options. I don't want to sound like I'm beating a dead horse. I know who I want to see closing out games right now, and it, it's just not Matt Barnes anymore, unfortunately. It's just I, I don't have any faith in him. And you, as soon as you hear the ERA number, you're just, God, that doesn't sound like someone who's major league capable like, how do you fall from grace that much? Is it seriously just the sticky stuff? Because, I mean, last month you had one blow-up. One blow-up, and that was the Philly game. Everything else, a hit here or there, like not doing great. More than half of your appearances now are you're not going a full inning. You're, you're getting a third of – it just – was it oh – God, I'm trying to think now. Was it the Philly game that he blew up? I'm trying to remember last month. Was it Philly? It's it's starting to. He's blown so many now that I I'm I'm losing track of which ones are his now. Um, I I I feel like until you can regain the trust of your manager, you shouldn't even be pitching an inning. Come out, get two thirds of an inning. Let Garrett Whitlock start it or finish out the inning. Do something else. I have I have no faith. If it's between him or giving the chance to somebody else. I don't feel good about giving it to him. I just don't because as soon as he came in today, I said, well, he did well in the first one. Let's see how he does in the next one. I, I, I don't feel good about Matt Barnes anymore. It's it's sad to say. I just don't I don't like Matt Barnes as a closer right now. Right now. Right now, I don't want him. 
Yeah, and, and to answer your question, those those outings in July, it was a back-to-back outing from against Toronto and Atlanta that he gave up a run in each. Um, but other than that, he had a solid July. Um, he had one outing before that early in the month. Um, gave up a run against New York. So it, most of July, he was solid. He really didn't have a blow-up. Um, honestly, this month is the only month he's had blow-ups. So then I can't remember who it was. I, I, I thought it was him that blew up. I, I'll have to look back then. Um, but it was – ERA was getting red. You were reading the ERA, and this month has just been atrocious. It's just been bad, bad, bad. And every single start he comes in, I, I now feel like it's one good start, one bad start, one good start, one bad start. It's the Josh Beckett closer effect. Like, okay, let's put him in in a game that doesn't matter. Like, I'd rather – put him in a game that doesn't matter and he gets rocked so that way the next appearance he'll do fine because it's it, we, we should we should not have won the third game of this series the way that we did I'm sitting there like oh my god it's alright we're good Matt Barnes comes in I was like alright let's just let's try, let's try let's let's pray and then that happened yeah and Kobe Allard he's been having a decent month of August but Three times in July, he gave up five or more runs. Jordan Lyles, I think, gave up five or more runs in his three starts leading up to this, and he held us to just one run. So these are guys we should be thumping and and running away with it, and we're not doing it. You know, so it's frustrating. And some dishonorable mentions here. We won't spend much time on Renfro. He was one for seven. His only hit was a home run. And he's done that at least a couple other times where he he had two hits in a, another recent series. They were both home runs. He's just he's become the all or nothing guy again that I wasn't crazy about. And he had some errors in game two. He was booting the ball all around right field uh, at least once. And... So, uh, not not a an impressive uh, you know recent streak for Renfro, but most dishonorably we had Eduardo Rodriguez. Only lasted three and two thirds innings, gave up eight hits, five earned runs, walked one, only struck out one in three and two thirds. Alex Cora was asked after the game. That was the long, painful press conference he's given you know so far this season the most painful one and he really lit the team up in that press conference but he was asked about Rodriguez and he said there's nothing much to talk about with him he didn't stay in the game long enough to long enough to give us a chance to win and that's pretty brutal and if you go back to just one start before he got pulled after the sixth inning with 80 pitches and they had a bit of a brouhaha in the dugout shouting at each other. And then he goes out and he turns up a, a dud in this game. So I'm kind of wondering where he and Cora stand. Like, are they on speaking terms? Is there still some lingering animosity? I'm more convinced than ever he's not coming back next year. But not a good performance and he's a guy that we need to rely on to go out there and give us a much better chance to win 
and and he didn't do it. Go ahead, Charlie. So Jason up correcting me. I was um, I, I had to go back because I thought it was him that got rocked against Philly. It was uh, that was actually Josh Taylor. That was the Josh Taylor game that he got rocked. I thought it was Barnes. So I misspoke and I apologize. Just want to correct myself there. All good. Jason, thoughts on Erod? Yeah, um, just going back to Erod. It feels like there's definitely a disconnect between him and Cora, which I didn't expect. I thought Rodriguez is one of Cora's guys. Um, I thought that he was going to be a guy that would be motivated with Cora coming back. Um, obviously, he's been through a lot with COVID and and you know all the injuries, but um, I don't I don't blame Cora for not trusting him going deep into games. We've seen it with Rodriguez, like. As soon as he gets to the fifth, sixth inning or third time through the order, he struggles. And I think Cora is very hesitant to let him go deep into games because if he, you know, even if he's pitching well, it's like, well, if I let him go the third time through, he's going to get smacked. And then we've got to play catch up. And I think in this game, it was just Erod didn't have it from the start. I mean, that, that was painfully obvious. So I, I think Cora at least is is losing faith in him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the organization is losing faith in him. And I think this is why, you know, you didn't see an extension last year or even the year before. I think the Red Sox looked at him and they said, okay, well, let's see what happens because this is a guy who's been fragile from the start. You know, it, we always talk about it. Eduardo Rodriguez is a guy that he steps off the mound the wrong way and he twists his knee. Um, and then, you know, obviously last year he got COVID. That's not really his fault. It's, one of those freak things, but like, I think the Red Sox look at him and they go, we're not going to give a four or five year contract to this guy because he's not going to make it. Um, and I think they're starting to already regret that with like sale, you know, and, and guys like that, that they already gave extensions to. So I think that they're willing to let Eduardo Rodriguez walk because they know that we'll be okay without him. He, you know, he, he's not going to go to another team and burn us. So I think it's just a symbol of the the organization from top to bottom is losing faith in him. So just to reiterate and to um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for support, uh, you know, positively support what Jason just said. You can't trust Erod in certain games against certain opponents. You can do great against Detroit. You don't do that well against um, Toronto, and they're in your division. You don't do well against Baltimore, and they're in your division. You do fine against the Yankees. It's it's just you don't know what you're going to get. Your ERA is still well north of five. And if I'm if I'm thinking about giving a contract to a player, I want you to do well and handle the teams that aren't that good in the division. But I want you to be able to play decent in in the, in the division. I can't have you not doing well against the teams that we face the most all season long. If you get rocked in those games, that gives me pause. That doesn't tell me, yes, I want to give this man a chance. Yes, I think he's worth a three, four-year deal. This is a prove-it deal for for Erod at this point. Uh, I'm hoping that the Red Sox can get him at a major discount, major discount uh, for 2022 uh, similar to how the Chicago White Sox got Carlos Rodon. Uh, no one gave him a chance. No one gave him a chance. Everyone thought he was done. He was just wasted. It just was not going to be worth it. They gave him a shot. And then Rodon does what, what he did in 2021, which is insane. So maybe he can, he can revitalize himself next year for like a prove it contract. 
but he's not worth the qualifying offer. And he's every single start out lowering his value because he cannot get the job done against teams that are just not good. How do you get rocked against Texas? It just, it makes no sense. None. And Texas has only averaged 2.8 runs per game since the All-Star break. So it's one of the worst offenses in Major League Baseball. It should have been a start that Rodriguez cruised through. It's not like any of them have seen him that much. There, There was no reason he shouldn't have had a good outing. And looking forward, Cora probably should have a plan B in place early if when every time Rodriguez turn in the rotation comes around, because you'll know by two outs into the second inning, if he has it or not, if he's mixing up his pitches and has two or three punch outs by then. Okay. Probably going to be a good start for him. And it's feast or famine. It's, it's either really good or really bad. So they'll know early. And then, you'll have the option of at least walking the tightrope with Garrett Richards, (laughs) not a big Garrett Richards podcast. As, as the audience knows, you could, you could try Perez for a couple of innings and just ride him for as long as you feel like he's gonna be effective. But, but it's, it's frustrating and it's, it's pretty ugly to watch. So, we won't be seeing uh, Rodriguez, or at least I don't think, in the... Uh, oh, maybe we will, actually. I know uh, Sale and Hauk go in the Minnesota series. We'll get to that shortly, anyway. But let's uh, let's just get over to the studs side, finally. There, there were some studs to talk about. Jason, go ahead. Yeah, Garrett Whitlock. We mentioned him earlier. Um, he came in and cleaned up Matt Barnes's mess. Two and two thirds. Um, he did give up the inherited runner in the tenth with the extra runner on for the extra run- innings rule. Um, but it was a weak round ball. Really, kind of wasn't his fault. It just was a really well placed weak round ball that you know nothing you could do about that. But four strikeouts. Um, he was dynamite. Just you know came in and uh, was poised. Was was ready to kind of keep that game intact. And he allowed you to come back and and win it, you know, in the 11th or whatever it was. So uh, Whitlock, again, just looked outstanding. And um, he's had a few blips on the radar here and there. But overall, I mean, what a steal. He's still one of the steals of the offseason. That's one that if, you know, for doing the scorecard for Kai and Bloom, you can give him a notch in that column because taking Garrett Whitlock in the Rule 5, putting him in the bullpen, stretching him out, um, and you know what, if he starts next year in triple a to really stretch him out, turn him into a starter, I'm okay with that. Cause again, it, you know, if, if we're going to go with this whole five-year plan and we're just going to punt on seasons until we're good in 2024, then fine. Take your time with Woodlock, No problem because he's got great stuff. And if you take it easy with him and he's going to be in your rotation at some point, I'm okay with that. So uh, Whitlock again just continues to impress, you know, given the role that he's in. I I can't say anything more than that. Like this is the guy that as soon as he comes in, I have the warm fuzzy feeling. I'm not worried about this game anymore because when he's in there, he's going to get the job done. He comes in, 
two and two thirds, incredibly efficient, like incredibly efficient. He throws half as many pitches as some of the other guys. And sometimes it's just like, oh man, I, this guy's good. Oh, Whitlock's in? Not worried. I'm just not worried. And uh, this is what we've come to expect. Am I going? Am I willing to go so far as saying that Garrett Whitlock, as one of the additions that Heim Bloom made before the season started, is that addition alone, or is it part of a collection better than all the misses that Heim Bloom made? That's a question I want to pose to both of you. I think the the mistakes right now outweigh the positives of the Garrett Richards. They do. Yeah, they do. Considering Garrett Richards was acquired for more money than Robbie Ray in Toronto. (laughs) Let that sink in for a second because we were talking about this last night. And I remember tweeting this almost like when I, nah, I've been, I had already been up for like three hours, but I was pretty annoyed and tweeted that really early in the morning. And uh, that hurts. Another reason why I don't think it, it, it eclipses it. I'm, I'm so thankful that we're all aligned. I, that's our show though. You know, we're all aligned. Um, I, I'm curious to know, like, can he surpass his level of success as a starter in relation to what he has already been able to provide as a reliever. Can he do more as a starter? That's what I'm curious about. Because if he does, then we'll look back at it and say, you know, it took a little it took a little extra time for it to equate or come close to like equal weight as far as the pros and the cons for 2021. I do like Garrett Woodlock. I, I remember we, we were talking about him earlier this year. Terry was one of the first ones that brought him up. Like Terry was like, oh yeah, this this could be a you know this could be a good guy, and then it was the who would have thought that Garrett Woodlock was the better Yankee acquisition? Like none of us did, none of us. Gun to our heads, no one would have said so. But I mean, what a star! Like he should be getting Rookie of the Year nods, and if he's not, I'm kind of wondering what people are uh, what people are looking for. Yeah, I I brought up the. Uh the better Yankee comparison between Whitlock and Ottavino because Ottavino got off to a rough start, but, but, you know, I think Andrew kind of recognized a lot quicker than the rest of us that that could have been a good move, but um, it's interesting if he's going to be a starter and he can do what, what he's showing us right now for five or six innings, that's borderline ace level stuff and we have to take a shot at it that being said he is the best reliever in the red sox bullpen and like we said on the dud side i want my best reliever to be my closer for the next 36 games that's what i want and you might be able to Use them for two innings. If the next day is an off day or whatever, you can take some liberties like that. But it's just crazy that the savior of this Red Sox team today was a kid who just turned 25, had no experience above double A. And he's, he saved everyone's rear end. And, Matt Barnes got his extension, so we're gonna 
We're going to ride that roller coaster for the next two years, whether we like it or not. But I liked what Whitlock showed us today. And if I was the manager of the Boston Red Sox, number one, I'd be a savage if I was the manager of the Boston Red Sox. These guys wouldn't be getting days off. No, no. Maybe maybe if it's one of those 17 or 18 day stretches, all right, I might... I might get soft and give uh, someone a day off, but but Whitlock would be my closer, 100%. We'll see what happens uh, in the twin series here. Another series we should just run away with, but Charlie, who's your stud? So my stud for this one was Chris Sale, who came out and uh, did what was asked of him. He came out, five innings of great work, five strikeouts, his, I believe it's his first walk on the year because I don't think he walked anyone last game. Gave five hits, no runs allowed. Just came out and did his job. Five innings, seventy-one pitches, a little more than uh, a little more than what? About seventy percent of strikes. Uh, he's doing what we need, and this is one of the parts that needed to go well in order for the Red Sox to get into the playoffs, potentially. Because you need the Yankees to suck. You needed the Tampa Bay Rays to not keep going on a heater like they have been. And the Red Sox had a chance. The Yankees have since won 10 straight. The Tampa Bay Rays have still been the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Red Sox are still playing patty cakes with their relievers. But not Chris Sale. Chris Sale has given you two straight starts, two straight wins, and is giving you everything he's got. And if he had the opportunity to go for longer... He would. But at that point, you're already up by three runs. You want to believe that your team has the ability, maybe, to save a three-run game for you. There's no point to overextending Chris Sale, have him come out for another 20-pitch inning, and then maybe get rocked in the sixth inning. Because it's anybody's guess as to what could potentially happen. Uh, Chris Sale did his job. Yeah, um, Chris Sale was great. He looked awesome. Again, like you said, second outing, second win. Um, now allow me to pee in everyone's cereal because that's what <laughs> I do. So Chris Sale came back and he's faced the Baltimore Orioles and the Texas Rangers. Legitimately two of the worst offenses, not just worst teams, but worst offenses in all of baseball, not just the American League. Okay, so let's just start with that. Uh, let's also start with the fact that he was very lucky today that he pitched five innings and the bullpen came in and didn't pee down their leg like they did the rest of the series. Uh, so he was also lucky there that Hansel and Gretel did their job and Matt Barnes decided to be the Matt Barnes from, you know, June and July. Um, so that was good. And he got six runs of support from the offense who, you know, just kind of disappeared at times throughout the weekend and, you know, against a bad Texas Rangers staff. So am I encouraged by what Chris Sale's doing? Yes, I am. Yeah, look, he, he's come back. He's healthy. He looks pretty good. I still want to see him again. So I don't know, a professional baseball team, not just a foray or a triple A club disguised as a baseball team. So can we see him against like Tampa? Can we see him against, you know, New York? Can we see him against Chicago? Like, I would like to see that because he's had a very, very soft landing since coming back from the IL. And smart. It's smart for the Red Sox to do it that way because you don't want to ruin 
hashtag sale day by having him go out against a tough team that, you know, might lip his rip his lips off. So uh, we'll see. You know, I, I'm encouraged so far, but I'm cautiously sort of like, okay, let, let's see how it goes once it gets, you know, against the better teams of the American League. Because let's face it, especially after the trade deadline, the American League really sucks. <laughs> it really sucks. I mean, like, apart from the top teams, like, oh, my God, Texas, Baltimore, Minnesota, who we're going to see next, like, a lot of these teams suck. So I want to see them against a real team. But am I am I optimistic? Eh, slightly. Slightly. So I'm going to add – I'm a one B to my one A statement because you guys probably don't know this, but I'm I'm pretty big into Chris Sale. Like I, I'm a supporter. Ter- Terry was sitting there giggling. I love Chris Sale. Uh, if he gives you a great start against the Chicago White Sox, would you then say, okay, cool, he's back, or is it going to take you more than a start against the Chicago White Sox, a team that he played for, team that he knows very intimately, and one of the best teams in all of baseball? What will it take you to say, I'm convinced about Chris Sale? Because I respect, and you bring up a, a valid point, the Baltimore Orioles and Texas Rangers are not quality opponents. They're the two worst teams in the American League, and it's not debatable. Well, he's, what would it take? He's going to face the Tampa Bay Rays in his ne- two starts from now. He's going to face the Rays because he's going to miss the Indian series because of the way it lines up. So he'll he'll face that test. And then I don't know how Chicago falls. The one team we, we don't talk about very much is the Seattle Mariners. They're even though they're not in the currently in a playoff spot, they're still in the hunt and, and we still do have to play them. So so we'll see. And let me just say this building on what Jason said we can have a lot of confidence that he, he can beat the bad teams at this point. He's done it twice. He'll probably do it again uh, in the, in the twin series, but can he pass the, the Tampa test? I don't know. He, none of these starts are reminiscent of, of 2017, 2018 when he was really dominant. I don't know if we're going to get that from him this year. He was taken out after 80-something pitches against the Orioles. They only let him pitch 71 this time against uh, against <laughs> the hell did we just play? The, the Rangers, excuse me, major brain fart. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, I'm not going to thump my chest, but he did win the one easy game this series. I'll, I'll give him that. <laughs> Well, that's the thing is, so it's not just that he has to go up against Tampa and beat that lineup. It's, does he get the run support? Because I feel like in both starts, he got really good run support. So what if he's in a two to nothing game against the Rays where, you know, we're only eking out two runs and he has to face that lineup maybe a third time through, you know, do do they let him go a third time through and they let him go deep into the, into the game? What happens then? So Look, I'm not saying he's going to crap his pants or he's going to be a disaster. He's Chris Sale. He's a really good pitcher, but he is coming off of Tommy John. Um, they've handled him with kid gloves since then. So, I, you know, I think there's reason to be a little bit, you know, skeptical about 
when he faces Tampa or if he has to go up against Chicago or if he has to go up against Seattle. Like you mentioned, Seattle's a much better team than people think. Um, they, they've got a plucky lineup that can give you know give pitchers a lot of headaches. So we'll see what happens. I guess I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feel super comfortable until he has an eight or nine punch out game. Then I'll be like, okay, all right. But we haven't seen it yet. He only got he punched out five of the Texas Rangers. I think he got six strikeouts in the Baltimore series. So we'll see against Tampa. And if he he could get knocked around against Tampa, <laughs> and then and then what's the narrative? So not not good. It, it's certainly not as optimistic as it is now, where he's still being painted as a savior. You know, don't worry. Oh, Thirty six games left, but Chris Sale's back. We're gonna make the playoffs. Okay. My Hope big so. my big concern on Sale was his, he always had two out pitchers: the slider down and in against righties, at least, and the fastball up and away. And we haven't seen the fastball up and away be effective since twenty eighteen. That was one of the reasons he struggled a lot in 2019 was because that pitch wasn't was never really a strike. He he just always seemed to get swings and misses on it and then the league was like, "Well, you know what? We don't we don't have to swing at that. It's going to be a ball." And so he he needs two out pitches and he's been throwing a change up, so maybe that evolves. I I don't know or or maybe he does finally at least be able to pinpoint the the upper outer part of the the zone but we'll, we'll see we got bigger problems regardless so even 80 percent chris sale for the rest of his contract that's still that's still pretty good let's dive into that minnesota series uh game one we have tanner hauk going up against griffin jacks who really frightens me because his era is over five and we can't beat those guys so i'm just excited we get to see Hauk. yeah i i like this game for the red sox i like tanner Hauk against that lineup um that minnesota lineup is much less dangerous now um so it, it's you basically just have to beat sano and donaldson and then you should be good they've got a few other decent hitters but um I like Hauk against that lineup, and I like the Red Sox sort of waking up against a guy like Griffin Jacks. It, look, if this guy shuts you down, if he shuts your offense down, you've got issues. Okay, he's he's not a. I don't think he's one of their top prospects. I think he's just kind of a kid they've thrown in there. So, Red Sox should win that one. Yeah, I agree. Um, just looking at the lineups and whatnot, this is not the the game that I'm concerned about. Um, in relation to the other two, uh, game one should be a win. Um, I have a little bit more faith in, in Hauk than I do Griffin Jacks. Hauk is one of my favorite players on the team. Um, I'm, I'm happy they're finally giving him a, sh- a fair shake, uh, unlike other players that have not gotten that opportunity in Boston this year. Um, yeah, this one should be a win. I guess I just want to see the splitter be more of a weapon this time or – uh, maybe the sinker, I guess. He needs that third pitch, and I want the the third time through the order narrative to start to go away. I, I want him to have his best outing with the third time through, if Cora even lets him do it. So 
We'll see. That's what I really want to see in game one. But game two, Bailey Ober, never even heard of him, versus Nick Pavetta. Ober, ha Ober <laughs> has a 4.38 ERA on the season. And uh, Pavetta's coming off the worst start of his season. Only one and two-thirds innings against the Yankees. Just got absolutely destroyed. So... You went full Boston just now, Terry. Oba. Oba, yeah. Oba. Uh, Ober actually makes me a little bit nervous because he's done well against some really good teams. Against Chicago, he struck out six and five and a third through 82 pitches. Faced Cleveland, six innings, three strikeouts, 69 pitches. Faced Houston, five innings, five strikeouts, three earned, 80 pitches. But he's been facing really good teams. He's dominated against Chicago this year. Early this year against Chicago, five innings, two hits, seven strikeouts, 93 pitches. Five innings, four uh, strikeouts, three earned. Again, not, not the best, but still quality. He's had a lot of decisions, a lot of games this year where he should have gotten wins and he didn't get anything. Five innings against Chicago, didn't get the win. Five and a third against Chicago. In those two starts, allowed zero runs, no wins in either one. So he's had a lot of starts that don't really paint the full picture uh, for how he's done this year. He's done very, very well, and he's been underrated. He's had a couple, you know, dust-ups, a couple of bad games. Chicago, also against the White Sox, didn't do that great. This game, I'm a little bit nervous about. I'm going to give the edge to Minnesota in this one just because if I'm going to have faith in, in us to, you know, at least take the series, this is the game of the three that I don't think they're going to win. I'm with Charlie. I give this one to Minnesota. And it really does come down to which Nick Pavetta do you get? Do you get a dominant Nick Pavetta who is going up against, again, a lineup that I don't think is very good anymore? Um, or do you get the Nick Pavetta who's all over the place and, you know, is is a little bit erratic? And Bailey Ober has been really good. His, his last couple of starts, he, he's really kind of turned it around. And the thing that stood out to me about him is he's 6'8". He's another one of these tall right-handers, and I feel like the Red Sox always struggle against tall right-handers who, I don't know, can get their hitters off balance. Like, they always struggle against Kyle Gibson, who's only like 6'6 or 6'7. Um, I remember when Chris Young was in the league, they always struggled against him. He was 6'10. So, I don't know, a big, tall right-hander. He's a young kid, 26 years old. Um, and again, Minnesota's not playing for anything, but they want to see this kid prove himself, and he wants to prove himself. Barrios is gone. That rotation is looking for a new ace. They're looking for these young kids to step up. I wouldn't be surprised if Bailey Ober looks at the Red Sox, who have been reeling the last couple of weeks, and goes, yeah, I can beat these guys. No problem. So I give the edge to Minnesota in this one. I just I don't have a good feeling about it. He has given up three runs or less in his last three starts, so that's uh, that, that's just perfect for the slump that we're in. And I'll say that I'll agree with both of you that, that that's a loss as well. Third game of the series. They are all 7-10 starts, which is nice. I'm so sick of listening to Joe Castiglione on the radio. No offense. I just I like to watch the games. But uh, Thursday, John Gant versus Chris Sale. Gant having a pretty good year. 3.77 ERA. Had a rough outing in his last start 
against the Yankees, gave up four runs, only lasted three and one third. They're gonna do that to to pitchers, so they they certainly did it to us. And actually, you know what? He's mostly yeah, he's been used out of the pen for the most part. Yeah. He was a reliever uh, in San Francisco. Sorry, not San Francisco in in uh, St. Louis, yeah. uh, and he was one of the pitchers that got acquired by Minnesota. Um, you know, you lose Barrios, you get John Gant. Not really the same caliber pitcher, uh, but he didn't do well in his first start of 2021. I don't anticipate that changing in this series. I also don't think you have a fair shake at this because you're facing Chris Sale. So that one, I'm pretty sure you guys already know which direction I'm leaning in, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you guys will agree. I I mean, he doesn't look like he's stretched out enough. I saw the three and one third and thinking that that was short because it was a bad outing, but only one inning pitched two appearances ago. Can't even call that a start. Two innings pitched against Tampa, which he gave up three runs in those two innings. So, so even though on paper he's got a 3.77 ERA, he's probably just an opener. And I'm not an expert on the... Minnesota bullpen, but that has to be a win for the Red Sox, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's uh, it might be borderline inexcusable if you lose that game because <laughs> hey, John Gant, he's not a starter. He's not a starter, and he's quite frankly just an average reliever. Uh, he's been average pretty much his whole career, and you've got Chris Sale on the mound. So you've got the savior on the mound. The Messiah is taking the mound, so... If you lose that game against a reliever who's trying to stretch out to be a starter, um, that's that's kind of pathetic. So I, that should be a win. I think it will be a win. So I, I say two out of three. The the big game to me, though, is game one. That's the tone setter. We all picked Houck to win it. If it doesn't happen, I mean, he's due for a thumping. It hasn't happened yet. He's He's battled through every start and most of them have been pretty good but if that happens the anxiety goes up when the anxiety goes up we start seeing base running mistakes we start seeing errors and this is a team that i just don't think can handle pressure that well which does not bode well for october if we get there it's just so hopefully hopefully game one we put up at least five runs. Houck has one of his better starts. Barnes doesn't get the ninth. And Charlie's <laughs> yeah. begging right now. Silent. Almost doing a mime impression. But, yeah. So, we'll see. And we will be back. Let's see. That'll be a Thursday night show with Andrew and Job. Hopefully it'll be a good one. Hopefully it'll be our second straight series win. And we haven't won two games in a row. I'll just throw that out there outside of the Baltimore series in the month of August. Hasn't happened. Charlie's mouthing the words pathetic on mute right now. And so that would be a good thing to achieve tomorrow with Hauk. And we'll see how it goes. So, be back with y'all Thursday night for your Friday morning commute. Everyone have a good rest of your week. Take care.